The first reading is from Isaiah, the 61st chapter. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalmody for today is Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. The second reading is from 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel today is from the book of St. John, the first chapter. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. 
He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This is He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask Him, Who are you? He confessed, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of our Lord. My mother, my sister, and I, uh, we drove to see some friends one day. Um, I don't think we're, they were in the town that we were living. I think we had to drive quite a way to find them. But um, when we got there, these friends, they had a, a beautiful cruiser-type motorcycle. I, I do not remember the manufacturer of this. I just knew that it was a large, shiny, chromed-out, beautiful, massive, powerful motorcycle and um, street bike. And I think the, the people we visited, my mom told them that, wow, like my son, he likes to ride motocross bikes. And um, with my mom's permission, he asked if I wanted to go with him for a drive. He had a place in mind that we we're going to drive to. And I said, great, let's go. And it was the first time ever for me that I could ever to be a passenger on the back of a large street bike kind of motorcycle. So he gave me a helmet. It was one of those. It wasn't the full face like you use motocross. It was like just like a from like almost like the German helmet type of thing. You know, just sits on the top, kind of goes around your ears. Put the helmet on. He gets on top of the motorcycle carefully, heaves it over, starts it up. Room. It just sounds like a ten thousand of my bikes. I mean, it was a massive machine. And um, anyway, when he said it was time, he get on. So you know, you step on the peg. You carefully, carefully brought my leg over the top because I didn't want to touch the seat with my shoe or scratch anything. And sat behind and um yeah i gotta tell you even then and now it's, it was weird being a guy sitting behind a, a large guy on a motorcycle just just weird and but either way i grabbed hold of his jacket up around his shoulders um and off we went and we started down the road and about every every time he was turning i kind of leaned into her kind of moved like if i was riding the motorcycle right thought here we go and every time he like slowed down to make another turn 
I'd actually put my leg out, you know, like in motocross, you make your turn, boom, you put your leg out, and you just give some gas and go. And so I put my leg out and, and to help make sure the bike would never slide, you know, lay over. And and one time when he was going slow and put, leg, he put the leg out, it got kind of wiggly. And I was kind of glad because my foot actually touched the ground and kind of pushed my body up a little bit. And for whatever reason, he decided he was going to cut the ride short. He turned around, he drove back to the house stopped the bike, we got off, and as he's going into the house, the door is still open. I overheard what he said to my mother. He said, um, I will not ride a motorcycle with him again. It was all I could do to keep us from crashing. I go into the house. My mother asked me, what happened? I told her, I said, and after she heard my, my words, she said, no one told you how, how to be a passenger on a motorcycle? Son, you don't do anything there. You just sit and relax like your baggage. The driver can't balance a motorcycle with a wiggly passenger, especially one of your size. Looking back on that day and that ride, I'm thinking, man, I totally misunderstood the role I was supposed to take as a motorcycle passenger. I assumed the wrong role. And that memory got me thinking, sometimes a great number of us, we go through our lives and we misunderstand our role. This can happen to churches as well. There can be mission creep, and we do things that are not what the church was tasked to do, and we might focus on things that the church was not tasked to focus on. There is a priority of events that we as a church and as a people do. And sometimes, um, we, we, let's not misunderstand our role, but what's our part in this role? And, and what's our purpose? Sometimes we can meander from one day to the next, from one season of life to the next, from one project to the next, or one relationship or one job to the next, from one town to the next, and we might not ever have a clear, passionate understanding of whose we are, who we are, and our reason and purpose as God's people. So God's Word today in and through this prophet of John, will give us, the church, you and I, clear understanding and, and identity of, of ourselves, whose we are, who we are, and our purpose. First off, most who read this New Testament, who read about John the Baptist, they would describe the John the Baptist as being someone who was, who was very clear about his purpose in life. They, they would say that John the Baptist was someone who displayed great energy and great passion during his lifetime towards that purpose. With John's help, we might discover who God created us to be and what God wants from us in this world. First, John is clear about who he is not. The priests and the leaders, they had walked to Jerusalem some 7 to 20 miles, and that depends on which book you read and where John might be located when he's doing his work. Right? There's, there's some variances with that, where he was located. But either way, they've walked 7 to 20 miles to find out what John is up to. And John was teaching by the Jordan, and he was baptized, and he was doing so without their permission. And they wanted to know who he was. And we find out 
who John is not. He is not the light. He's not the Messiah. He's not Elijah. He's not the final prophet. And he's not even worthy to untie the sandals of the one they're actually going to look for. John the Baptist is kind of a reverse resume. Usually on a resume, you list all the things that, that you can do and are and all the things you've done and accomplished. But John has a resume that many consider like a photographic negative. Before they could say, before he could say who he was, he had to clearly identify who he was not to himself and everybody else who came looking. There's some wisdom in that for us. Sometimes before we leap into something and say who we are and what we're going to do and the objectives and the goals that we want to place out there before God in church, maybe before we do all of that, we need to first discern who we're not. What we're not called to do. John is clear about who he is not. Now with that established, the Bible presents a clear understanding of who John is is. Our Bible reading says in verse 6a, there came a man sent from God. For us, John is a man. He is created by God, formed in the image and likeness of God. He was sent by God. His identity, his inspiration, his power, his authority, it came from God who made him. He did not stand on his own authority. He did not claim authority for himself. His existence is from and with and in God. His reason and purpose and place is established and directly directed by God. That applies for us as the church, for you and me. Before we were conceived, God knew us. While we're in our mother's womb, God knows us. With every breath, we are to breathe in and with in God's life. With every thought, we're created to think God's holy will is holy ways. With every action, we are purposed to move in and with God. The church is about a divinely inspired and purposed movement. It is not to be stagnant or stationary. The church is to move. We are sent to do God's work. Next part, verse 6b, his name is John. In case we have forgotten what the meaning of John is, John, his name means this. Yahweh, the name of God, Yahweh is gracious. Now, it would be easy to move right on through today's reading without considering his name, but we're going to pause because his name is used four times in a very short period of readings because I think they want to communicate to everybody who reads this a clear and powerful message that God is gracious. So whose is he? He's God. Who is he? He's John. His purpose is to send to give this message and to display God's name, that God is gracious. John, came, John began, he, he came into existence 
because God is gracious. To an elderly man who has faithfully served the Lord as a priest, and to his wife, an elderly woman, who their entire married life, they had been unable to conceive and bear any children, which for them was a tremendous source of shame and sadness. And in those days, it was evidence that Mary and there was some sin in their lives. To that couple, the Lord was gracious. When the time was right in history and in their lives, God sent his angel and the angel Lord told them that they were going to bear a son. They were going to conceive and bear a son. And the angel Lord told them that God wanted to bless them and, and the Holy Spirit was going to inspire this. And they were to name his name, their son's name, John. And, the angel, and God, he was gracious. God kept his promise. God blessed them with a son who was filled with the Holy Spirit, so much so that while he was in the womb as of his mother, when Mary and the baby inside of her, who were her womb entered into that house, this baby inside of Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy because the presence of his Lord had entered. He was filled with the Spirit. And the faithful family named him God is gracious. Well, in baptism, God has named us sons and daughters. God has, in baptism, adopted us. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer enemies. God now calls us sons and daughters. He has adopted us, legally gone through the right of adoption, if you will, and he claims us as his own. Whether we know it, whether we feel like it or not, at any given day, we are baptized, and that is who we are. And we are filled with His Spirit. And we can have the Spirit more and more by participating in it. That is who we are. And all of that naming and claiming of whose we are and who we are is because God is gracious. Verse 7. John came as a witness. Did you hear that? Witness. You know, when you're a witness... They, they bring you before to be a witness because you've experienced an event. You know, you, you have seen something with your own eyes. You've, you've heard something with your own ears. You've maybe tasted and smelled and experienced a life event. And because of that, you can then share with others what you have personally experienced. John came as a witness. His reason and purpose in existence was to be a witness that he would share the truth about whose he was, who he is, and his reason and purpose, which is to point to the Messiah. To have all the people that listen to get ready with lives of holiness and righteousness prepare ourselves because, look, the Savior is coming. And that's exactly what John did. John bore witness to the God he had seen and heard and experienced, and he was participating in because he had a relationship with that God. And then from that place, John then passionately invited others to do the very same thing. And when, they, when he saw Jesus and other people were in the vicinity, he says, look, there he is. He's the one you're to follow. And they did. Thinking about John today, like the church, we're not the Messiah. We're not the light. We're not Elijah. And we're not the final prophet. 
And we are not worthy to untie the sandal of Jesus. And like John, the church remembers and celebrates that before we were conceived, God knew us. While we're in our mother's womb, God knows us. He's forming us. And with every breath, we're to breathe in with God's life. And every thought, we're to think God's holy will and ways. With every action, we are to move and flow and with God, moving with God. The church is about divinely inspired purpose, identity, and movement with and for God. And then like John the Baptist, God has named us his daughters and his sons. God has adopted us and claimed us as his own. He has filled us with his Holy Spirit. That is who we are. If anybody or anything in this world tells you something different and wants you to be smaller or less, that is a lie. God says you are his son, his daughter. He is beloved. You are his beloved. And there's nothing in all creation that can change that. He's the one who made it all. And if he says so, it's true. And that all happens because he is gracious. Like John, the church, and you and I are to be then the next part, witnesses. Our reason and purpose to exist is to fully know Jesus, the one he sent for us to know. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. When you experience Jesus, you experience the Spirit. We are to know that fully, this Word, this Lamb of God who takes away our sin. Spend some time with Him like John in the wilderness. Away from all the distractions. And remember who you are. And to remember who Jesus is. And then... Like John, you can be jumping up and down, swaving your hands. You get the world's attention. And when you get their attention, then you say, there he is. You introduce people to know the goodness and the love of God in Jesus. Like John, we are, we are to have real clarity as a church. To know Jesus to know who we are, whose we are, and then to make Jesus known. God help us have some role clarity. Be his church. Amen. Let's declare faith. We'll use the words of the Apostles' Creed. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into death. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as your children we can come to you in every circumstance of life, in times of plenty and in times of want, in times of success and in times of failure. We know you are God, so we come in humility, claiming no merit of our own, but holy praying in Jesus' name. We give you thanks for your love, your goodness, your forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
Lord Jesus, you united us in a common faith and family at our baptism. It gives you glory, lead us and guide us as we strive to live out, live out our baptism promises. Create a hunger in us for hearing your word and worship. Create a thirst in us for receiving you in prayer and sacrament. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you for calling us here today. We thank you for opening our eyes, ears, minds, and hearts to your plans and possibilities. If it gives you glory, inspire us to shine your holiness as we work, play, and interact with our community this week. Give us courage to surrender to you and to serve those around us. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, give you, if it gives you glory, receive our prayers for those we know and love who are in need of your strength, comfort, and healing. We pray especially for those we name in our hearts now. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Oh, 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 oh,